It was a recorded talk from uh, Maga Puja of previous years. And so it was uh, a day when uh, 1,250 monks gathered together. <clears throat> and all of these monks, uh, their minds were already very well developed. They had a lot of barami, a lot of spiritual maturity. <clears throat> and all of them had ordained through the Ehi Bhikkhu Sampada, the um, <clears throat> first method of ordination that was used uh, during the Buddha's time. So what would happen then was that the Buddha would teach these men as lay people, teach them the Dhamma. And then when they had attained uh, to arahantship, um, then he would ordain them as monks. And, uh, and say this ehi bhikkhu, which means you are a bhikkhu, or come here bhikkhu. And uh, just by doing this, they had already succeeded in becoming monastics. There was a time when you know, someone wanted to ordain like this, and they went out searching for robes. And, uh, or in some cases, the robes would just come to the monks that they have this in the uh, sutta, that uh, the robes would just come by themselves. And it shows that these people had uh, already created the merit for that. In the past, they had offered sets of robes. Uh, but there were others who hadn't made any offerings through robes before. And one uh, attained to arahantship, and he went into the city in order to find a set of robes so that he could ordain. But as he was walking along, a cow attacked him, and he died. And we see, even nowadays, uh, throughout India, that there are many cows which stroll along in the city streets. And uh, if they have a young uh, child, a young calf with them, then uh, the mother can be quite protective and uh, may get violent. And so that's what happened to this monk, that he passed this cow and he had the karma, uh, and the karma ripened at that time, so he died. When the Buddha found out about this, he asked for a jedi to be constructed after uh, they, the monks did the funeral rites, uh, because this person was an arahant. So it was appropriate for the Buddhists of the four directions to come to uh, pay their respects and to make offerings. There were 1,250 monks that gathered together on this day of Magapuja. Um, so the first five of the disciples that the Buddha gained uh, were uh, the five ascetics. And then there was Venerable Yasa and his friends. And then the Kasapa brothers, the uh, hermits, fire worshippers, uh, Advaranasi, along the banks of the uh, river there. So the first of them had 500 disciples, the second 300, and the third 200. So that totals a 1,000 disciples plus the three brothers themselves. 
So in total, uh, the number of uh, monastics uh, or disciples that the Buddha had ordained was 1,250. So they all gathered together without any prior notification and they traveled to meet the Buddha. So uh, for them to come together like this, uh, these arahants, to gather together, it's not an easy thing. And he taught the Ovada Padimoka to them, which is the heart of the Buddha Sasana. And this is the path that the heart walks to free itself from suffering. So it goes, Sabbapasa akaranang kusara supasambhada satita pariyodapanang edang buddhana sasanang which uh, translates as not doing of any evil and bringing skillfulness to perfection and the purification of the mind. So when we're sitting here, watching our breath, knowing the breath, um, then this is walking this path because we are abandoning evil. We're giving rise to skillful states and we're purifying our mind through this act. But when we do this, we'll find that there are many things that work as obstructions to peace of mind, and these we can call maras. So there's one kind of mara, is kandamara, uh, which refers to this body. Because um, when the body is in a healthy state, then this mara isn't so apparent. It's only when sickness arises, then this becomes an obstruction to our doing good deeds. And so it becomes this kandamara, an obstacle, something that, which obstructs um, the goodness that we want to do. And it's necessary for the body to experience illness. There's also kilesa mara, these are demons of defilement. These can manifest in feelings in our minds which obstruct us from doing merit. And sometimes some people want to do something that's skillful, but feelings come up which obstruct them from doing that. Or it may be the feelings of other people that they meet with that become an obstacle to that goodness. So sometimes there's a husband who really wants to create merit but his wife gets in the way. And other times maybe it's the wife, uh, but the husband doesn't have any faith, uh, so he becomes an obstacle. So Lady Visaka, for instance, uh, she liked to do a lot of skillful deeds, she liked to create a lot of merit, but her father-in-law didn't have any faith in the Buddha, so he obstructed her to uh, doing this goodness. So these are kilesa maras that we need to meet with. And so we also have uh, kama that, uh, that can act as an obstruction as well. So like this monk uh, who, he hadn't created the good kama to uh, receive robes. So he went into town just looking for some robes and he never thought that he would meet with his death there. But he came close to a cow and then the cow attacked him. And he was an arahant at that time. His mind <coughs> had no impurities within it. 
So it was only <coughs> his body that the cow destroyed. His mind was pure. When we sit in meditation, then oftentimes our bodies become achy or tired. And why is this? It's because we're using these sankharas, this conditioned phenomena, quite a lot. And um, mostly the pain that arises physically from sitting meditation is that of pinched nerves or uh, veins that are pinched as well, and this causes us pain. Perhaps we sit cross-legged or uh, we sit with our legs off to one side, and uh, this can bring about some kind of difficulty in the body. It may not be such a kind of convenient way for the body to sit, but still we try to practice in this way because uh, the Buddha succeeded in this way as well. And uh, really when he went to practice, he put his life at stake. He had this great endurance, uh, forbearance, and he made the determination that if he didn't attain to the Dhamma, then he wouldn't get up from his seat. That if he didn't um, attain to this, then he just accepted that he would die. We see that his kanti, Barami, uh, was already fully perfected. He had already tried many methods uh, to attain to awakening, and none of them had, work, had worked. Uh, but it was when he sat under the Bodhi tree that he could attain. So we see now that when we travel uh, to India, our minds really need to be focused on that when we go to the holy sites. And we're willing to do this because we have faith in our hearts that we have to uh, put aside a lot of our work and our duties and cut off worries that we have back home. And it takes a lot of time for us to organize uh, this travel, this uh, pilgrimage, and also the time that we spend on pilgrimage as well. And so there are many difficulties that people meet with when they do this, uh, but they're willing to because of the faith that they have, because of this sincerity of heart. And both this faith and inner determination uh, make for the conditions for samadhi to arise. So maybe we sit in meditation under the Mahabodhi tree in Bodhgaya, and it can be quite easy for the heart to become well established, for peace to arise. And this is also, this is due partly to the faith that we have and the determination, uh, the sincerity that we have, and also because it's a holy place that we're in. So joy can arise quite easily. So our minds are very focused, our samadhi is there. And uh, even though sometimes peace may not arise, uh, with ease, we still practice, we still endure. When we are practicing, then we should keep a watch on our minds, knowing what feelings are present, what thoughts are there. And this is jitta upasana, the foundation of mindfulness over the mind. 
And so sometimes our thoughts are good, sometimes they're bad, sometimes there are skillful or unskillful states present in the mind. But when we know that there are unskillful thoughts, then we just abandon them. We know that they've arisen and we give them up. If there are any skillful qualities that arise in the heart, then we can think upon those, we can act upon those. That's okay. So one skillful quality or intention of mind is that of knowing the breath as it comes and leaves. And this is kusala. This is something that's intelligent or skillful. And uh, whatever (coughs) meditation (coughs) method we use to bring about peace, uh, then we use that. For some people it's buddha or dhamma or sangha. Some people it may be some other mantra that they feel proficient in. And these things allow the heart to come down, to become stable and cool. And these are all skillful mind states. So this skillfulness, we should try to bring it about to perfection. And just like the dana that we do, the generosity that we engage in. And then there's also sila, our virtue. And we see that this is more difficult than generosity. Perhaps people come to stay at the monastery and it can be difficult for them to do so. They just eat one meal a day. Things aren't as easy as they were back home. But they still stay, they endure with that. And they try to give rise to skillfulness. And we can try recollecting the Buddha that's in one life as a bodhisattva. He was born as a Naga. And he was a Naga king that lived in a palace and things were very easy there. He had uh, uh, quite a comfortable life. But he wanted to develop his sila, barami. And he saw that that was difficult to do as a Naga. So he came up to the human realm. And uh, he found that it was more conducive uh, to developing this sila barami here. They had to endure with many, many different things. So this caring for sila, it's one level of merit, and it's one higher than that of dana, of generosity. But the bringing about of peace within our hearts is a level up from sila still. So something that we try to do often, we try to ground our minds, to settle them, to bring up this quality of mindfulness, to do this frequently. And as we do this, then the mind will turn still, it will become calm. And it does so through the presence of skillful states of mind. And when it's in this state, then we contemplate into sankharas, into conditioned phenomena, seeing them as being inconstant, as being stressful and as being not-self.